September 21st. What's happening then, John? Uh, it's about, uh, no, it's not about you, John. September 21st. September 21st is Ebenezer Place. Ebenezer Place, yes. At the Motor Club. We talked about it last week. Uh, this is Phil's effort in preparing a place for men attending deer camp. Deer camp has been a process of 15, 16 years, I think. Um, and it's grown to a point with alumni attending, uh, which is important that the facilities just don't handle everybody. Um, so Phil has uh, had some assistance and help in doing some planning, putting in uh, information about new building, parking, other facility enhancements to make deer camp more, more fundamentally, because it's not extravagant by any means, it is a deer camp, make it more fundamentally sound for men to attend. And uh, I want to just remind you, 921, 921, please join us at the Motor Club and what's that? No, no, what's that? It's, uh, Motor Club is over on West, uh, County line. Billy Bell Road. Billy oh, Bell I'm Road. sorry. Yes. Yeah, I was going the wrong place. Exactly. Don't go to yeah. that. No, don't go there. No. Billy Bell Road. Billy Bell Road. You better give us a map of that later on. Give us an address or something. We're in the right spot. I'm taking the wrong way. You know, you, you've said something on several occasions that a little bothers me, and I'm just going to share it this morning. How many? How many things have I shared? I'm only going to touch on one this morning. We don't have much time. You get, you, you're going you're to continue with the series of, and actually conclude this morning, Joshua, into the promised land. I, I got to admit, guys, I, 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 I am fearful of two or three things, um, snakes being one of them. But losing my vision scares the hell out of me. And I've heard Phil, in a kind of nonchalant way, say, you know, close your eyes and see what you can see without your eyes, as if he might be interested at some point in losing his vision and seeing without his eyes. Yes, I am casual this morning. I'm having cataract surgery after this. Prayers would be welcome. I am fearful. No doubt about that. But yeah, I, 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 I really am fine seeing with my eyes filled. Um, I will close them if I need to, but I hope pray that they are not closed permanently as cataracts. With that, let me open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, I thank you for my brothers, Jeff and Jeff and Chris, in helping us be ready for this morning, bringing us to those that are not in attendance, and fulfill in his teaching of your word, Lord, never to be confused with his word, Speak through him. Use him as you open our eyes and open our hearts. And Lord, I do ask personally for prayer for medical staff this morning. Ease my fears. Be with me, Lord. In your name, pray. Amen. Amen.
right. Good morning, gentlemen. I have a song for you um, that I trust will open all of our hearts to what God has for us this morning. Uh, we come to the end uh, of our study in Joshua uh, this morning. Uh, and the issue uh, that we're looking at in the 10 issues as we've gone through the study is um, telling your Jesus story. Telling your story. And um, I want to offer you a song that I, that I definitely want you to look at the words to it. It's on, on your handout, of course. Um, My Story by Big Daddy Weave. Let me just read to you just a couple of um, stanzas here. If I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. And if I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin of when justice was served and where mercy wins of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell you of him. May you hear the voice of God and may this song open up our hearts to what God has for us this morning.
my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, we come to the end of our journey through Joshua. It's been quite a walk. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. Joshua, take the land, be the man. The book of Joshua is the book of conquest. The battlefield is Canaan, and it is where God keeps his promise that he made with Abraham. In this study, we will use the land possessed by Joshua and the people of Israel as a metaphor to understand how we take possession of what it means to be a Christian man. We will examine 10 issues. So today we come to number 10 out of the 10 that men face every day. Each day is a battle to be faced with courage, strength, and faith. You must be courageous, especially in this day and time. Will you? Will you? So let's start where we started. Let's start at the start. Look at Joshua chapter 1. Marching orders that Moses gave to Joshua. Joshua 1, verse 6. Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Can you think for a minute, who led you to Christ? Who led you? Who was influential in your life? Maybe a whole string of people. Typically it is, you know, a football coach, a Sunday school teacher, a grandmother, uh, a dad, hopefully. Hopefully you can say your dad. My goodness. What more can our dads give us? What more can we give to our children as dads than to help them understand the gospel, the promise? Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right so as to make sure you get to where you're going. Got to stay focused. And don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of mind. Ponder and meditate on God's Word every day. Ponder, ponder, ponder. As Abigail used to say when she was four years old, Daddy, I'm thinking it in my head. Thinking it in my head. Ponder, ponder and meditate on it day and night. Making sure you practice, practice, practice everything written in it. Then you'll get to where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength, courage? Don't be timid. In other words, do not allow fear to dominate you. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. Every step you take. Isn't that interesting? Even when it seems like God's on vacation, that he's guiding you every step of the way. Every person, every circumstance in your life and mine, 
I believe, is an instrument in God's hands. The tough time. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, a great pictorial represent, uh, representation of the spiritual journey. Uh, Christian leaves the celestial city. I mean, uh, leaves the uh, city of destruction on his way to the celestial city. And he just meets good guys and bad guys. I mean, it's, the, it's, a, it's an allegory of the Christian life. He meets the good guys and the bad guys, good guys and the bad guys. And, and that's the way life is. And God uses both the good guys and the bad guys in Christian's life, just as he uses them in our life. Some of the best times of my life have been the worst times of my life, right? That's when he's taught me. I don't want to go back there. I want to learn. So let's dig into our last session in Joshua. Pick up your pen. I have three questions for you. Let's do some journaling. So guys, this is, uh, these questions are as much a brief training session on telling your story as they are questions to be answered. So uh, we're going to have a training session this morning, and I'm going to teach you how to tell your Jesus story as best I know how. Okay? So uh, uh, the question that I would pose to you just thoughtfully before we get into our formal questions, how would you start a spiritual conversation with somebody? You know, you're sitting on an airplane, guy next to you. How would you start a conversation? Don't ask, where do you go to church? Not nah, nah, a good way to start that. You know? Do you believe in God? No, don't start it that way. No. You going to hell? No, definitely don't start it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You'll start it this way. Hey, I saw the pilot. He's drunk. You want to talk about Jesus? No, don't start it that way either. So here's, here's the way I'd want you to start that conversation. After you've built a little rapport and talked about football and, you know, children and all that, where, where are you on your spiritual journey? You ever thought about that? Where, where are you on your spiritual journey? Ask that question. Where, where are you? Your spiritual journey. So I want you to think about that for a minute. Where, where are you in your spiritual journey? Where are you? Second, second question that I would ask is: Will you, will you tell me your story? Will you tell me your uh, spiritual uh, journey. Will you tell me your Jesus story. Tell me. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pair up, and I want you to ask your new friend, where are you on your spiritual journey? And then I want you to ask them, no matter what they say, tell me your Jesus story. Tell me, tell me your, just tell me your story. Now, I don't want to um, uh, shame anybody. I don't want to put anybody in an uncomfortable uh, position, because it's okay if you don't know where you are in your Jesus story. So so let me give you kind of a mulligan. You know, if that guy sitting next to you says, where are you in your spiritual journey? And you say, well, you know, this is my first time at Men's Roundtable. 
You know, I thought I was coming to a business seminar. You guys are you guys are like talking about Jesus or something. You know, I I thought I was here to to, to get training on a new C Spire phone. It's okay, it's okay. There's no shame and just be where you is. Be where you is. You is where you is. So. If your answer to that is like, you know, I'm still trying to figure this thing out, that's fine because we're going to um, make it as clear as we know how to make it this morning. So it's okay wherever you are. But I want you to, to engage with your uh, friend, ask him the question, where are you in your spiritual journey? And then ask, tell me your story and make it brief. Tell it as briefly as you can in three to five sentences. Go. All right, if the first guy is still talking, that's too long. Make sure the other guy gets to talk. Switch off. It's not all about you. my ratty friends. All right. Let's work together. You learned a little bit about each other's spiritual journey. 
Here's the third and final question that I want you just to be thoughtful about. And the third question is this, are you clear on the gospel? Are you clear on the gospel? What is the gospel? Simply put, it's like a three-legged stool. All three legs are essential. First leg, God loves you. God loves you. Second leg is God came to set you free through his death on the cross and his resurrection and to give you eternal life and forgiveness of sins. That's leg number two. God came to set you free by providing for your sin through his death on the cross, resurrection, gives that forgiveness and eternal life. As we appropriate leg number three of the three-legged stool, and that is you can become a Christian and only in this way when you personally confess your sins and put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to have much faith. But the object of your faith better be clear. A lot of faith in a bad object will not get you to heaven. A little, 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 little tiny faith in a big object will get you to heaven. So by confessing your sins, acknowledging that you're broken, that you're sinful, and putting your faith in Jesus. That's the gospel, three-legged stool. Simply put. So let's move over and finish up with Joshua. As we've said all along, you know, God wonderfully all through Scripture gives us these models, broken men who have put their faith and trust in God, less than perfect men. And Joshua is our model in order to help us be the men that God wants us to be. Manhood. So Joshua has spent, the book of Joshua covers um, about a 20-year span. So over the last several months, we've covered 20 years. 20 years. And Joshua comes to the end of these 20 years I mean, what a closing ceremony. You know, what a celebration. What would you say at the end of 20 years of battle? And sadly, I can't help but say that and think about our 20 years in Afghanistan. Oh, my goodness. A little bit different, huh? A little bit different. A little bit different. 20 years. Look at chapter 24, verse 14. And we hear Joshua's words. Joshua says this in his final words to the people of Israel. So now fear God, worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river Euphrates and in Egypt. You worship God. And then verse 15 that we've read Uh, early on when we began this series, 
if you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve. In other words, uh, you can hear uh, Joshua's sarcasm. You know, if you can come up with something better, then do that. And do it today. Do it quickly. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. And then the implication is, so how'd that work out? You know, how'd that work out? You want to do that? Do that. But then I love this. As for me and my family, we'll worship God. May that be our mantra all the days of our life. As for me and my family, I, I, I can't control anybody else. I mean, craziness, chaos going on all around me. But as for me and my family, we'll worship God. And the people answered, we'd never forsake God, never We'd never leave God to worship other gods. Be careful. Be careful. Never say never. You know, it's kind of like what I, I love AA. What does AA say? One day at a time. I mean, a drunk starts saying, you know, I'm never going to have another drink. Be careful. Just one day at a time. One day at a time. God is our God. He brought up our ancestors from Egypt and from slave conditions. He did all these great signs while we watched. He has kept his eye on us all along the roads. We've traveled and among the nations we've passed through. Just for us, he drove out all the nations, Amorites and all who lived in the land, count us in. We too are going to worship God. He's our God. And then Joshua told the people, you can't do it. You can't do it alone all the buses waiting and hundreds watching by television. You can't do it alone. He brought up our ancestors from Egypt and from slave conditions. He did all these those great signs while we walked. Oh, wait a minute. I jumped to the room. You can't do it. You, you're not able to worship God. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He won't put up with your fooling around and sinning. When you leave God and take up the worship of foreign gods, he'll turn right around and come down on you hard. He'll put an end to that silliness, uh, silliness added there to you, after all the good he has done for you. He is a jealous God, and he will not share his holiness and his grace frivolously. He won't do it. So guys, what we're talking about here as Joshua comes to the end um, of his life is he's basically saying God plays for keeps. We need to be serious and intentional. God plays for keeps. Joshua's commitment was to serve the Lord. The people's commitment was to serve the Lord. And the warning was, if you don't do that, there will be consequences. It's like a good parent, good fathering, good fathering. And then, um, as we come to the end of Joshua, I want to go, I want to jump back to chapter 14. Because chapter 14 
is a very personal passage to me. And of course, we obviously covered this a number of weeks ago. But I want to go back to 14, to uh, the story of Caleb. Caleb and Joshua, of course, were the two spies out of the 12 that said, we can do this. The other 10 said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight, scared to death. And Joshua and Caleb said, you know, with God's help, trusting God, we can take this land. And so there's the episode of Caleb when they get to this point um, in the battles, verse 6 of chapter 14. The people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Gilgal was their home base. Excuse me. It was like, Steve, it was like Ebenezer Place, in a sense. It was like deer camp. It was their home base, and they got filled up, and they went out. Gilgal, home base. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the uh, Kenizzite, spoke. You'll remember what God said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me back at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of God, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back an honest and accurate report. My companions who went with me discouraged the people, but I stuck to my guns totally with God, my God. That was the day that Moses solemnly promised, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, you and your children forever. Yes, you have lived totally for God. And then he he comes into the present after referring back to the past. Always look over your shoulder, see what God has done, so that it might inspire you to continue the journey. Remember that so we can be prepared for that. Remember that so we can be prepared for that. Now look at me. God has kept me alive as he promised. It is now 45 years since God spoke this word to Moses. Years in which Israel wandered in the wilderness. And here I am today, 85 years old. 85 years old. 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. So give me this hill country that God promised me. You yourself heard the report that the Anakim, and they were the giants, were there with their great fortress cities. If God goes with me, I will drive them out, just as God said, 85 years old. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once. One more time. Have I ever once? Guys, Caleb did something very critical. He walked by faith and trusted God, looking at the promised land for 45 years, from age 40 to 85. What will you accomplish? You know, Eric Erickson, the developmental psychologist, calls the later stages of our life uh, uh, of, of reproducing ourselves, of, of creating our legacy. You know, we were young and stupid when we were 20, right? You know, that was the smartest time in our lives. There's nothing any smarter 
than a 20-year-old because he's got all the answers. He's invincible. He's got it figured out. And then he gets his butt kicked a few times, as we all did in our 20s and 30s. And you know, I don't think manhood really starts in some ways until you're 40 years old and you've had your butt kicked several, several times. 40 to 85. 40 to 85. And Colin, you're headed that way, my friend. You're headed that way. I love it. 40 to 85. Guys, this inspires me every time I think about it, every time I read it. You know? Um, the age I am, a lot of men are folding their tent and going to the house and buying them a big old rocking chair. Dude, there is nothing in me that has the desire to do that. And I'm very grateful to have my health. Because I know that when when your health goes, lots of things change. And, and, I, and my health may go tomorrow. I don't know. But right now, I am so inspired by Caleb's words. 85 years old. 85. 85. And my retirement plan is Caleb's retirement plan. That's my retirement plan. I'm on the Caleb retirement plan. 85 years old. What are you going to accomplish at this stage in your life? To my knowledge, there's nobody in here that's 85. Some of you look like you're 85, but you feel like it. 85 years old. That's what God intends for us, guys. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. So when we uh, serve a God who plays for keeps and we're willing to walk by faith, we can begin to face the 10 issues that we've looked at. And the issue this morning is telling your Jesus story to everybody that you come in contact with. What if the only light that a man might see in the dark world that we live in is in your eyes? The only light that a man might see is in your eyes. I want you to watch just the beginning um, of Eric Metaxas, uh, who I, I would encourage you to download his podcast, listen to Eric Metaxas, and you'll be exposed to a wide range of godly men. Eric Metaxas, watch this as he begins his story. We'll just show two and a half minutes or so of this eight-minute clip. Watch this. There's no such thing as blind faith. The whole idea of blind faith is a misunderstanding of faith. Faith uh, can only be faith in what is real. This ridiculous idea, which is so popular in our culture, that you know, if you want to believe, you've got to kind of check your brain uh, at the door. That's absurd. I mean, it's totally wrong. Some of the greatest minds I've ever met 
people that are just extraordinary, brilliant, thoughtful, uh, emotionally intelligent, uh, emotionally mature people are people of faith in Jesus. And I think the tragedy of our culture and the culture that I grew up in is that you don't really see evidence of that. My dad came from Greece in 1955. My mom came from Germany in 1954. They met in an English class in New York City in Manhattan. We went to the Greek church and it was a wonderful community. It was a, um, it was a warm community, but it was mainly a community built around the idea of being Greek. This is where the Greeks hung out, is in, in the church. So it was, it was an ethnic community, but it was not um, really very much a community of faith. My identity was getting good grades, being the smart kid, and so I, I just assumed that, you know, whatever, I should go to some, some good school. And, you know, I, that was not part of the culture that I grew up in. I mean, I went to a public school, Danbury, Connecticut. Nobody's talking about wanting to go to these Ivy League schools. You know, of course, you don't know what you're getting into. But I remember going to college and really thinking, I don't know what I believe. I have no clue, and I'm so open-minded that in an environment like Yale, particularly, it's a very secular environment. You know, by the time I graduated, I was really absolutely at sea. I had no idea what I believed or who I was. I didn't know what I believed. And in this website, that's a great resource to you, I am second or numerous men and women telling their story of how somebody helped them when they didn't know what to believe, that they found a guide that led them across the Jordan River, if you will. That they found a Joshua that will lead them. Who is that Joshua in your life? Who is that guide? Who might you be a, a guide to? It's our mission. Matthew chapter 28 very clear. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go. You go. Make disciples. I was, I was captured by Jesus very early on. Um, I had become a Christian at the University of Tennessee. A friend of mine led me to Jesus, and I was so hungry to be guided that I've often said that if the two guys... Uh, that were talking to a friend of mine when I met them in Smokey's Grill in the bottom of the student union at the University of Tennessee had been Hare Krishna, I'd be wearing an orange robe today and beating on a tambourine. But praise God, it was two Campus Crusade guys. And they began to guide me and disciple me, and they lived out Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And this has been, this is the uh, watchword of my life, my life verse. It's what our ministry stands for. Verse 27, Colossians chapter 1. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now it's out in the open. You know why it's out in the open? Because of men like you who are willing to shine the light. 
that's in your eyes into another man's life. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Don't keep it a secret. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you, so therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ. We preach Christ. If Jesus ain't involved in it and he's not being glorified, I don't want to be a part of it. I do not want to be a part of it. Warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense because we're just hillbillies from East Tennessee. It's just simple. We try to make it as simple as we know how to make it. So that we can bring each person to maturity. The Greek word there is telos. It means to be complete, to be whole, that you would be functioning as God intended you to function physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. All four of your little cylinders would be firing. To be mature is to be basic, Christ, no more, no less. That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me with the energy of Caleb that he has so generously given me, my years of 40 to 85, I want to be my most productive. That which I did in my 20s and 30s was just trying to get to my 40s and not kill myself or kill somebody. I want to show you something that's just broken my heart recently, um, you know, this, this week with... Um, all the news in Afghanistan, and there's a part of this, and this is from Johnny Erickson Tata's ministry. Most of you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is. She became a paraplegic um, back in the late 60s, early 70s, about the time that I was becoming a Christian, and she's a quadriplegic and been just an incredible voice for suffering. She became a Christian as a result of her injury. So she has suffered greatly, and she is a spokesman for all those that suffer. And when all the stuff was breaking about Afghanistan, she wrote this, and there's a part of this that amazes me. She said this, Hours ago, as the Taliban took control of Kabul, Afghanistan, my friends and I sat and stared breathless at my iPhone. The BBC showed hundreds of terrified people forced, uh, racing across the airport tarmac, pleading for help and hoping to climb onto U.S. Air Force planes leaving the country. It was pandemonium, and I wept at the sight, as we all did. But this next paragraph is the amazing paragraph. The church in Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church worldwide. And now our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing vicious retaliation from the Taliban. Please join me in praying that God will strengthen them, pouring out courage and mercy and comfort and that the Af Afghanistan church will be bold in witnessing to panicking neighbors and friends. That the Afghanistan church would be bold in sharing Christ? Man, I stand convicted. I mean, how bold are you and me? Think about that prayer. Y'all be sure and share Jesus today as you're headed to the airport 
incredible. Then she closes with this. May Jesus Christ protect and defend the widow, the orphan, and the disabled. Please join me in interceding for the weak and vulnerable in that forsaken country. And may Christians in that horribly broken nation hold fast to Psalm 59, 1 and 2 and 10 and 11. Quote, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from bloodthirsty men. Oh, my strength, I watch for you. You, O oh God, are my fortress, my loving God. Now guys, that's when the scriptures become real. Because that's real. That's not just words on a page. The enemy is outside your door. You and I may never face the terror that our uh, Afghanistan brothers and sisters are facing. Thank you, God. But the battle that you and I are in every day is just as real. We just don't see it quite as graphically. It's real. But we're oftentimes like frogs in a pot. You know, we're getting cooked. And we don't even know it. You know, you sell that frog in a cool pot of water and heat it up slowly and he's dinner and he doesn't feel anything. Frog's in a pot. Guys, I, I want to suggest to you that the mission has not changed. The mission has not changed. That you and I are given the great commission to go and make disciples. To tell your Jesus story to those around you. Tell your Jesus story. Tell your Jesus story. Tell your Jesus story. And again, your Jesus story is that you believe that God does love you and that he came to set you free by his death and his resurrection to forgive your sins and to give you eternal life as you place your faith in him and acknowledge that you are in need of forgiveness for your sins. I am a sinner. I put my faith in you, dear Jesus. So pray with me as we close. And if you've never acknowledged that three-legged stool in your own personal life, I invite you to do that now. If you have acknowledged it, which I would assume would be the case with most, at least most men in this room, may our session today and our study in Joshua inspire you as Caleb was, that I will walk by faith and I'll be a light to those that you put in my path. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've given us in this room. We are so blessed. We all have far, far more than we deserve. We are a blessed people. And Father, may we be good stewards, better stewards. May we be much more assertive, intentional of all those that you bring our way to be light, to tell our Jesus story. We do pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Protect them. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week.